Hi, everyone, and welcome to Spill It, the Gwinnett County Public Library's podcast all about YA literature, where two of us love YA, and one, even though it hurts my feelings, does not. <laughs> I'm Catherine, teen services librarian, and I love YA. I'm Patty, youth services manager, and I also love YA. And I'm Sarah, youth services specialist, and I hurt my friend's feelings because <laughs> I don't like YA. Sorry, Catherine. I don't think you are. Well, <laughs> I will try to be. She doesn't know what to say to that. Okay. We'll see after this, although this isn't my book I picked, so we'll see. Okay. Maybe this will be the one. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I'm going to say, guess. yeah, I'm going to guess no, but let's start by briefly telling everyone what we're reading right now. Tell us about your book, Catherine. I'm trying to read The Vanishing Stair. This is the second book in the Truly Devious series by Maureen Johnson. I'm not knocking the book in any way, but I am struggling a bit to get into it. Might be because it's been probably three years since I read book one, and I maybe don't remember some things. But I'll just say that this one's a mystery series following true crime buff and amateur sleuth Stevie. She's attending Ellingham Academy, and her goal is to solve a 100-year-old kidnapping cold case then there was only one clue, a mocking riddle sign, truly devious. Does she not have enough electives? Actually, like, I think it's her, like, what do they call it? Like, her final project. Like, is solving a hundred Is solving. Oh, that's it's, like a good girl's guide to murder. That's kinda. how she got away with it. It was her class assignment. To, yeah. And oh, she right. decided to solve a murder. That is very true. I don't think a good teacher lets a child try to solve a murder as a class project. Yeah, now this is why they make you submit a proposal before you start your project. <laughs> and I don't actually know if she does solve it because I've only read book one and I've only read maybe six pages of book two, so we'll see. Kind of disappointing if she doesn't. Yeah, I know. But what are you reading, Patty? I am, it's a reread, it's a comfort read for me. I needed something that I was familiar with. So I am rereading Going Postal by Terry Pratchett. It is one of the Discworld books. It's an actually a really great book if you are looking to get into the Discworld because it's a standalone. You don't have to have read any other books. Um, I'll give you a quick synopsis. Convicted con man and forger Moist von Lipvig is given a choice. He can face the hangman's noose or get Ankh Morpork's ancient post office up and running efficiently. It was a very tough decision. Now, the former criminal is facing a really big problems. There's lots of undelivered mail. Ghosts are talking to him. One of the postmen is 18,000 years old, and you really wouldn't want to know what his new girlfriend can do with a shoe. To top it all off, shadowy characters don't want the mail moved. Instead, they want him dead, deader than all the dead letters. And here he thought all he had to face was rain, snow, and the gloom of night. I just want to say, I don't want to know what she can do with a shoe. No, I really don't. It's very dangerous. Okay. She can take care of herself. What about you, Sarah? What are you reading? I am reading a kind of sci-fi dystopian, shocker, um, called The Knife of Never Letting Go by Patrick Ness. And it's an older book, 2009. But uh, it is about a boy named Todd Hewitt who is an orphan. And he lives on a different planet that has been settled and uh, he lives in a strange town called Prentice Town that only has men in it because all the women have died. 
because an alien that used to inhabit the planet has infected them with a virus that kills the women and it gives the men the ability to hear each other's thoughts. And they can also hear the thoughts of some animals. So he has a kind of uh, talking sort of dog that goes with him on an adventure when everything in his town kind of turns upside down and they finds out that some of the truths he thought he know, knew about the planet are not actually true. And so there's adventure. Patrick Ness's most uh, well-known book, I think, is A Monster Calls, which I have not read, but um, I understand it's a little dark and bleak. I did read one of his other books that's called More Than This that's also a little dark, so I think that's just his vibe. I read A Monster Calls. It made me sob on my couch for, like, hours. It was very good, and it had it was very touching and loving and I wouldn't have called I wouldn't call it dark and bleak it it actually is very much about love and a a mother's love and and her son's love for her and and it's but you know his his mother is dying it's about the death of a parent which isn't the happiest of topics right I guess that's what I mean the stories are a little bit um sad so I will not be reading those. I have no desire to <laughs> lay on my couch and cry for hours. So I won't tell you the thing that happens in the book that she's currently reading that we all were like, no, because there is a moment and it was upsetting and we did not like it. And I am very curious to hear what you think say, of this book. I guess we'll see how Sarah feels about this moment in the book. I do like, Patrick Ness also wrote The Rest of Us Just Live Here, which is kind of an amusing take on that, the trope of like the chosen one. It's like, you know, in Buffy, how there's like the gang and they're running around and they're doing things and there's other people who just go to high school and it's the book about those other people who are just like, I'm just trying to get through our lives while all this other stuff is happening, (laughs) which I like that concept. Okay. So what are we going to talk about this week? You may remember in the last episode, Patty assigned Sarah and I the romance title Once Upon a Broken Heart by Stephanie Garber. I like that this one, while being a romance, definitely has some fantasy or whimsical elements to it. But I'm going to let Patty take it away now. Yes. Since this is coming out on Valentine's Day, we wanted to pick a book about love. And I thought really hard about what I was going to pick and make y'all read. Because the love and romance is a huge part of the YA world. Every book has a little bit of romance, it feels like. That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. I thought about doing Last Night at the Telegraph Club by Melinda Lowe. It's a queer historical fiction that's just won a bunch of awards. Uh, or I was going to do a contemporary romance. But then I found this one, and I love fairy tales. So we read Once Upon a Broken Heart by Stephanie Garber. Really quick, the synopsis of this book is, for as long as she can remember, Evangeline Fox has believed in true love and happy endings until she learns that the love of her life will marry another. Desperate to stop the wedding and to heal her wounded heart, Evangeline strikes a deal with the charismatic but wicked Prince of Hearts. In exchange for his help, he asks for three kisses to be given at the time and place of his choosing. But after Evangeline's first promised kiss, she learns that bargaining with an immortal is a dangerous game and that the Prince of Hearts wants far more from her than she'd pledged. He has plans for Evangeline, plans that will either end in the greatest happily ever after or the most exquisite tragedy. 
So before we really dive into it, I just want to talk about the cover real quick. I know you love that. But the <laughs> library edition of this book is sort of bland. It's like a mostly black cover. It's got a, I don't know, a rose gold filigree heart on it that's like broken in half. But I feel like if not looking at the title, you would not instantly recognize that as a heart. But I don't know. To me, it's bland. And I don't know that I would have picked it up upon first sight and been like, ooh, I must read this. I agree. I didn't find the cover particularly attractive. And it also doesn't read fantasy to me on the cover. The art, Nothing about the artwork anyway. And I think we might have talked about this earlier, but it kind of looks historical. And I guess it's the design of the heart, that filigree almost. But it's a totally different book once you open it. But when you take into consideration Patty's book cover, because she has a fancy special edition sitting over there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that like ours, one is like intriguing. Ours is black and white. She got the Technicolor version. Yeah. It's like hot pink. It is. It is very hot pink. It's got soldiers. Well, not soldiers. Um, suits of armor. That's what I, I was like. What do they call those things? Knights. <laughs> not, they're not knights. There aren't people in them. Oh. You don't know that. Well, this one doesn't have a head. <laughs> Maybe you do know that. that. One of them does not have a head. <laughs> Just that's so that's a clue. Um, and there's like, they're actually looking at this, there's a lot of fun um, little things in there. There's an apple. There's a bottle of potions. There are keys. There's an archway. There are foxes. There is a headless um, statue. These are all things that tie into the book and their elements from the book. It's, I think it's the British cover, but I also got a, it's a book box version. So it's like fancy to. Yeah. So if you get a chance, like look up both covers and you'll see what we're talking about. So when I was doing some research for this, I discovered this is a spinoff series of her first series. Oh yeah. I know that. Caravelle. Well, I did not. And I don't like to read books out of order. <laughs> you so have messed I with Catherine. I was horrified. Because <laughs> the first series features the sisters, Scarlett and Donatella, and Jax. So you get all of their backstory. Yes. So you know why some of the things that you'll read in this book maybe are happening. And I am missing all that. And I'm I don't not think happy. you do. I think that I, yes, there is backstory to Jax. Like you'll get some of Jax's backstory. But I think you get enough of Jax, just so you people know. Jax is the Prince of Hearts. That wasn't explained in the synopsis. He wasn't given a name. Um, he does have a backstory. You get enough of it in this book. And I like that I don't know it because Evangeline, who is the point of view character, doesn't know it. So she doesn't know what his motivations are. And I kind of like that as a reader. I like not knowing maybe what he's thinking and trying to figure out what his plan is and why he is the way he is. Am I going to go back and read uh, Carvel and, is it Carvel? I have no idea how to say it. Car Carvel. I don't know. I know the last book in the tr trilogy is called Finale, and I was like, ugh, God, really? But now I really like this book, so I'm, I'm totally going to go back and read it. I them. will say, though, that seems contradictive to some things you've said before, like when you flip to the end of the book, to, you need to know the story. But you want to not know Jax's story? But I think it works well in the context of reading this book because you don't know what he's planning. And I was surprised at some of the twists and turns. I, this did not, I, this book did not go where I was thinking it was going to go. 
But see, you knew that. She <laughs> I didn't. doesn't mind not knowing their past. She just wants to know if they're going to die at the end. Yes, that's it. I just want to know if my characters that I like are going to survive the story. So, yes, this book is a spinoff of a three-book series. Also, I, I felt it was not fair to Sarah to make her read three books and then another book. Well, I feel like she's probably also annoyed that if she wants to continue this, she now has to read three prequels and two sequels. So here's the thing I didn't know when I picked this book. I did not realize that this book ends on a cliffhanger. <laughs> I didn't realize this was not a standalone A complete book. cliffhanger. It is a complete cliffhanger. Yeah. Nothing is really wrapped up whatsoever. It's just... Oh, they just give you more questions. I have yeah. more questions. That would be one of my complaints. I... I wish we had gotten at least a few answers to things. Like, you could have had the cliffhanger, and, like, what happens to Apollo can be a big cliffhanger, but, like, I kind of wish we'd gotten answers to something. No. 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 No, no, no. But I do love it because it's, like, it, it does read like a fairy tale. And I I really like that. I will say another thing I didn't... I guess love about it is all the characters. I mean, it's great that there are a bunch of characters, <laughs> but like, there I were hate so every single one of them. <laughs> many characters that, like, at the end, trying to talk about it now. I wish I had taken better notes because I'm like, who was that? Which character is that? I can't remember anybody's names. Like, huh. I don't know. And I think maybe it's because I read it like so fast because I was genuinely enjoying it. You just need to go back and reread it. Maybe, maybe I need to make character note cards or something, but. See, I did not have that problem. I didn't feel that there were too many characters. I knew who the characters were, but telling you their names, I couldn't remember. One thing I did love about it, though, was the uh, whimsical, magnificent North. I love it. I, I love, love it. how it's described. I would really like to visit this North. I want to eat a dragon-roasted apple so bad. Oh, yeah. And I think I like that the, the themes that run throughout this book. So there's there's a couple I was I was going back through and looking at them. And even in the very beginning, the doorways and the arches and the way Evangeline is kind of a key to things. I did not realize when I the first time I read it, I went back and reread the first couple of chapters before we did this. And when she goes to the temple of the Prince of Hearts, the door is hidden and she's able to find it, and she doesn't have a door handle, and she's trying to get into it, and she pinches her finger and drawing a little bit of blood, and she's begging the door to let her in. And I was like, oh, huh, okay. That that happens before she goes to the north. And then when Jax first meets her, he asks her about where she was born, and he asks her how she got in, and he's, he's asking her questions that relate to this prophecy later on in the book. And it's like, I didn't realize that at that point, Jax was already thinking farther ahead in the book. It was kind of fun to go back and like reread the first couple of chapters. I think it's a book that reads very quickly. And I think it might be worth going back and reading it again now that I've read it all the way through. So I can kind of pick up some clues and stuff. I think about bells, too. The bell rings in the very, very, very first page to, to warn her about Luke. I know. I liked that a lot. Yeah. And then it rings early when Marisol comes into the store. Oh, Marisol. <laughs> oh, Marisol. So I've talked a lot, and Catherine has talked a little bit. Sarah, what did you think about this book? Well, let me tell you. No. <laughs> 
I, uh, there were things I enjoyed. I liked the world building, like Catherine said, and the description of um, not only, you know, the dragons and the all that kind of thing, but the description and attention to detail played um, paid to the clothing. Oh my gosh, oh, yeah. I love was kind of clothing. fun. If you know, it appeals to that girly girl side where you get to describe these very um, fantastical dresses with uh, things that you would love to wear, but you can't wear in this real world because we don't have magic and things like that. But it was really neat to read all that. I would love to see some fan artist draw like every dress described. Evangelines and Lala's. Oh, yes. Yeah. It kind of um, made me reminisce to Hunger Games when they would, you know, Katniss would have these fabulous dresses that yes. can't exist in you know, today's world, but fun to think about and imagine if your dress could be anything. Um, Jax, I'm not a super fan because he's sort of a jerk. Yes. And remains a jerk through most of the book. He's a misunderstood jerk. Okay. I don't like the message sent to readers that, you know, oh, if only I love him enough, maybe he will be a nice guy. I, you know, I just, I understand how that works in the context of the fairy tale and I don't think it's Beauty and the that, Beast though. and all that. Well, I think it's supposed to be like he's, you know, going to change because of her to some degree. I got that vibe too. And it's then, interesting. I, but I think that but maybe the, that's because you read Caravel. <laughs> I haven't read Caravel. <laughs> I haven't read any of the other books. I do think that readers, especially young readers, need to know, and this is just my like free advice for you, anybody listening. Sometimes when you meet somebody who is a jerk, they're just a jerk. And no matter of how amount of nice you're going to be to them is going to make them unjerkify and suddenly be worthy of your love. You're welcome for that. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish this was like a live or like a video podcast to see Sarah's face as she's giving you that <laughs> very mom advice that message. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Sarah is right. Sarah is right. However... <laughs> However, <laughs> that doesn't stop me from liking Jax. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like Jax for Evangeline, actually. I think I kind of like Apollo for I Evangeline. actually do too. He's one of those ones that I wish we, I hope that in the sequels, we get more of his actual character because he is under the influence of of love in this book so you don't really get a lot of who he actually is as a person and I think he's probably an interesting character I wonder why he's so dead set against getting married because he he talks about before he meets Evangeline how he he's he's never going to get married I know I mean and you say he's under the influence of love but he is and he isn't as you find out different things as you finish the story right I don't want to, like, give anything away. So, like, I also would like to know more about Apollo and see, given the new light of things I now know, what is him what and what is, is a love him. spell? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, I didn't dislike Apollo, but I found him pretty two-dimensional. I'm not sure what the um, why you all are thinking he should be. It's just at the very end, like, the, one of their last scenes together and – and the very last scene of them together. I don't know. I felt like there was more to there was him. more to him there than there had been before. I think that's what I'm saying is I feel like he is a two-dimensional character for a lot of the book because 
he is under the influence of this love, this this passionate, undying, kind of crazy obsession right. love. Obviously, the other thing I liked about this book is when we're talking about love, it does have a bunch of different kinds of love. And it talks about all the, like, the difference between obsession and, I, like, to your point about how Jax isn't a great, great boyfriend material, they talk about how the fates aren't capable of actual love. It's just obsession and, like, this desire to possess. I still hope to see a redemption arc in Jax, but... I think it's probably coming. I feel like it is. I mean, this is a series, so something's coming. I do feel like Evangeline's approach to love is probably going to show some evolution along the way because at the beginning... It's very fairy tale. She's very much like, uh, you know, I'm in love, I'm in love, and in just whatever it takes, I need to be in love. And then she kind of finds out a lot of things about how that wasn't exactly what she thought it was. Then she's willing to be swept up immediately by the next guy. Then she's also kind of secretly thinking about Jax. And yeah. And she talks about how it's it's not so much that she wants love. She wants that feeling of being the most important person to someone. And why does she feel that way? Because she's an orphan. <laughs> well, and she wants what her parents had. Yes. Before she had no parents. But, <laughs> well, I mean, she still had parents, but you know what She's I mean. a relatively new orphan. She still remembers what her parents had. Yeah. And I also think, like, sisterly love and, like, that's sort of explored in this book and friendship. Like, it's just a lot of different forms of love. Going back to the, the ending, ultimate cliffhanger. I Oh, my God. Did not care for that. I want to know what happens. So, like, I was enjoying this book, and I was reading this book, and I was moving along. And then we hit section three, and the last section of that book, and that, it, like, kicked into high gear, and I was just like, oh, my, what is happening? Is that where the vampires showed up? Yes, because all of a sudden there were vampires. (laughs) Wow. What? We took a left-hand turn somewhere. Yes, we did. (laughs) That's probably the point, too, where I was suddenly like, I have to finish this have. I did. That was me I was like oh my god there are vampires now what is happening <laughs> yeah suddenly there were vampires and there were a lot more fates and there were there there was just so much happening in the last third of that book <laughs> I was like oh oh my goodness I also have quite I have so many questions this book left me with so many questions and one of them is probably unimportant but I am super curious about the guy who writes the scandal sheets. Mm, there's two of them. They're brothers. So cousins. they say. Or cousins. 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 I, I'm curious because they always seem to be very timely, just in time to move the action ahead a little bit. Oh. And I'm curious if that, Maybe that's a fate. If he's a fate. Yeah. 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 And their names are very, very, very similar. And kind of ridiculous. Yes. All of the names are in this book are kind of ridiculous. Apollo, Tiberius. Oh, yeah. Cutlass, Cutlass, Nightlinger. And Christoph Christoph Nightlinger. Nightlinger. One other thing I really enjoyed was um, the way they used the scandal sheets and the notes and how they're they're like like pictures of the actual note and like handwritten. And I just think that's a a cool detail when you're formatting a book that I think is kind of cool and breaks things up. I liked it too. It makes some chapters very short 
And it made me feel like a speed reader. I'm like, oh, I've read two chapters already. <laughs> this is a 400-page book, and I read it super quickly. It did not feel like a 400-page a book. It is a fast-paced read. Uh, yeah, I mean, because I read it in like a like a day and a half, because I remember coming back after my Christmas break or whatever, and I was like, have you finished Once Upon a Broken Heart? She was like, no. And I was like, oh, I already read it. She was like, you what? <laughs> like, I got to the part with the vampires, and dude, I couldn't put it down. Like, nope. I had to finish it. I kind of thought it was cool because when I read this, I imagine like that um, deck of um, tarot cards coming to life. Like if the cards were people. Yes. Like actual beings. The deck of cards, though, is what I really wanted to know more about how they got out of the cards. Mm -hmm. And when I was reading information about Caraval, however you say it, uh, they talk about the cards, too, and how he's broken out of his prison. So that's where I'm like, I feel like there was maybe information <laughs> but I don't that think I'm it's, missing. It's not important to the this story. No, but it's important to his character. Well, you can go back and read that, but didn't it didn't hinder your enjoyment of this book. It didn't. It's hindering my enjoyment <laughs> of it now. I liked it. <laughs> I was very happy about it until about an hour ago, probably. Catherine's very upset now. She just didn't know it before. Sarah can witness to that because I kept being yes. like, ah. Yeah, she's sitting at her desk, and suddenly I heard, no! <laughs> Is that what that noise down the hall that was? was it. Okay. So overall, would you recommend? I would totally recommend this book. I would. It was a great story, but I feel like I will know more about how I would recommend it after I read the first series. Oh, my God. <laughs> but you enjoyed it before you even knew that. Yes, I'm saying I would, but we'll see. <laughs> I would definitely recommend it. I would make sure that the person I was recommending it to knows that it is a book one and ends on a cliffhanger and that book two is supposed to come out on September 27th, 2022. So if you had to pick a book that was uh, you'd recommend as a read-alike, if someone liked this book, what would you pick? Sarah? Uh, I had a couple in mind. One is close to this, I think, in a lot of ways, but it is not a YA book, so be forewarned if you decide to read it. It is from the Winter Night Trilogy by Catherine Arden. <gasps> and it's The Bear and the Nightingale. Are you familiar with it, Patty? <laughs> I am familiar it's judging with from book. your excited reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I would, it is not YA, but it is definitely has teen appeal. Yeah. And uh, it's been a while since I read it, but it, is, it takes place in Russia. And it, um, so that you've got that whole winter vibe that we had going on with this uh, land to the north in this book. It involves um, some supernatural elements in the form of demons, one of which is the winter king and the other his brother who's nicknamed the bear. And it involves a girl who can see magical creatures and talk to magical creatures. Um, she is a half orphan. And... Her stepmother is um, very religious and doesn't like the fact that she can kind of communicate with some supernatural or, you know, fantastical creatures. So I would recommend that one if you like the fairy tale. And it's based kind of in Russian fairy tales. If you, so if you like the fairy tale fantasy vibe, that might be a book to try or a series to try. What about you, Catherine? I would recommend one I read recently, These Hollow Vows by Lexi Ryan. This one is more just fairy tale. I mean, it takes place in like the fairy courts. Um, 
but it's action-packed and features similar elements to Once Upon a Broken Heart. The main character, Bree, in order to free her sister, makes a deal with the Unseelie Court to retrieve three magical relics from the Seelie Court. And throughout the story, Bree finds herself caught between two fairy courts and their princes. She has to decide who to trust with her loyalty and ultimately with her heart. But another interesting point, which is kind of similar to Once Upon a Broken Heart, is she has magic herself that she was unaware of. And, and you kind, kind of, of naive. Yeah, and you kind of see that in both of these stories. So if you like this one or you liked that one, you might like them both. What about you, Patty? I have two books, both by Naomi Novik. They are not related to each other, but they are both fairy tale-esque. And they are both not technically teen, but they are great for teens. The first one is called Uprooted. Um, it is about a girl named Agneska who lives in this valley that's on the edge of a wood that is evil you can't go into the woods bad things happen to you and they are protected by this wizard known as the dragon and he comes down he selects a young woman from the village that has to come and serve him for 10 years and the next choosing is coming and Agniska thinks that everyone knows that the dragon's going to take Cassia who is her best friend and she would do anything in the world to save Cassia, except he doesn't. He picks Agneska. And it is a story of why he picked her and what happens to her. And and it's got a little bit of romance and it's got a lot of that female friendship between her and her best friend is in the vital part of the story. And it's got magic and it's just it's a really fun, great fairy tale. I really love it. And then the other one is also by Naomi Nevik and it is called Spinning Silver. I always associate it with with Sarah's books because it is again kind of Russian based folk tales and it's sort of a retelling of Rumpelstiltskin in the sense that there is a girl named Miriam and she is the daughter and granddaughter of moneylenders. And she gets, she's, her father is terrible at it, but she's very good at it. And she builds this very good reputation and she kind of brags that she can turn silver into gold. She gets that reputation as being able to do that. And there are these creatures that are like, kind of like fairies, kind of. They're called Stark and, and they, she, he, her bragging gets their attention and they, they want her and the king of the Starks comes for her. And um, so she's got to sort of, it's that I need you to turn this this room of, of silver into gold sort of playing on Rumpelstiltskin. And there's some other stories involved too. It's one of those stories that's got like three different people and the stories of three different people and how these disparate stories come together. And again, it's got lots of fairy tale elements. I like them both. And a little bit of romance. Okay, so I guess now we're at the part of the episode where we're going to assign the reading for the next episode. You sound so thrilled about that. I know. But this time... I like this part. This time we won't be assigning one specific title. It's going to be a free choice episode where we can read anything we want under the theme of Black History Month. Woo! I've already got a few titles in mind for my choice. Uh, I'm definitely going to talk about Legendborn by Tracy Dion, and maybe I'll surprise you with one more. Does anybody else want to share what they might be reading? What about you, Sarah? I am going to be reading African Town, which is a newly released novel in verse by Irene Latham and Charles Waters, based on a true story. Patty? 
I am going to read This Poison Heart by Kaylin Bayron. It is about a, it's a fantasy with a girl who has uh, the ability to grow plants with a single touch. And I've heard it is kind of a play on The Secret Garden, which is a book that I love. And I would love to to read this book. I think it's going to be really good. Well, I can't wait to hear about it. This has been another episode of Spill It by the Gwinnett County Public Library. I'm Catherine. I'm Patty. And I'm Sarah. And we want you to join us next time as we spill the tea on our Black History Month book choices. Remember to like, review, and subscribe. And until next time, keep reading. <laughs>